Welcome to the Dash Mindset Podcast. I'm Sherry Ziedenbergen. You were born, you're gonna die, and your adventure is your dash in between. So make the most of it. Unlock your potential in all aspects of your dash by embracing your uniqueness and living in a way that's authentic to you. Not by doing more things, but by focusing on the right things. I'm a former corporate leader turned coach who's on my own journey, and I'm passionate about helping you on your journey too. So on the podcast, we'll explore how to live authentically by deciphering who you truly are and what you truly want. Are you ready to take a step toward designing your dash? Someday doesn't actually exist. So let's do it now. Welcome to the Dash Mindset Podcast. I am so excited today to have my brother, Kevin Krause, with me. And the reason I have Kevin with me here today is because he has an interesting journey like a lot of us had, but his is a very different, interesting journey. So Kevin and I grew up in rural Iowa. Our grandparents' parents farmed, and now Kevin is doing that today after several years in the military. So Kevin left Iowa in 1985 attended the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado, was in the Air Force for 26 years and retired in 2015. Now, Kevin is living in Tennessee with his wife. He's a soil consultant and an organic farmer. And so a lot of people would question, okay, what took Kevin from Air Force Academy and military service to organic farming in Tennessee? And It feels to me like that's exactly where Kevin is supposed to be. And Kevin, I think that's, it feels like that's where you're supposed to be to you too. So I would just love to talk about your journey here today and welcome you, Kevin, to the podcast. So Kevin, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Let's just start there. I'll let you just kind of share a high level. Tell us about your life today. Well, our life today, we have a small 65 acre farm here in Hampshire, Tennessee. We started in 2015 modeled after uh, Joel Salatin and Polyface Farm, if anybody's ever heard of him. Small, uh, uh, well, he's got a bigger farm out in uh, southern Virginia, probably about five or 600 acres. And he's been for about 60 years raising beef, pork, chicken, turkey, eggs, ducks, honeybees, things like that. And, and that's what we've modeled ourselves after, his approach on our much smaller version of his farm at 65 acres. And we've been uh, raising everything with no chemicals, no antibiotics, no vaccines, um, any Anything other than the way nature would mean to do it. So we've been raising everything out here on pasture uh, as healthy a manner as we can, selling direct to folks at uh, farmers markets, at uh, stores, local stores, and a few restaurants now and then. So that's uh, that's kept us busy for, I guess, going on eight years now. Uh, at this particular point in time, we've scaled back a little bit on what we're doing. We're selling uh, uh, larger quantities of beef, uh, beef quarters, beef halves, things like that. That's primarily what we're selling. Uh, but we do, uh, do still have... Uh, Hogs, we've got chickens, we sell eggs too, and we've got uh, some honeybees at this point. And you're doing soil consulting as well. Oh, yes, absolutely. That has taken up uh, more of my time uh, through the through the past three or four years here as I've learned a lot more about that. Uh, working with, well, truly what brings nutrition into your food, and that uh, actually starts with the soil, and it actually starts with the microscopic critters that live in the soil. So I've learned a lot about that, and continue to learn a lot about that and i'm attempting to help others appreciate that fact and uh, potentially leverage that uh, that natural fact on their own farm or vineyard or, or whatever the case might be their own garden so tell us kevin you started out by going to the air force academy and i remember i mean i was relatively young at that point i think i was eight nine when you left 
And I remember you, the, the certainty you had about joining the Air Force Academy. And at no point in my life, of course, at, when I was eight or nine, I wasn't thinking about what you were going to do when you were in your 50s or probably your life at all. But um, I knew you were going to go to the Air Force Academy. So at what point did you decide or even consider, hey, I think I want to have a farm at some point? Yes, uh, truly, as I was growing up as a kid, the military career became uh pretty much my ultimate goal. It's uh, really the only thing I wanted to do. So I was privileged to get an opportunity to do that. I uh, really didn't know what I would do after uh, by any means. And then uh, 2008, fast forward to 2008 from 1985, and uh, Mickey and I were living in the Washington, D.C. area. I was stationed at the Pentagon on the joint staff. And I think might have been Chipotle at the time was passing out flyers for a limited release movie called Food, Inc., so we went to a local theater and we we watched the movie. Uh, some of the it was a documentary about our food, and uh, one of the, the main premise of the movie, as they opened it, was our food has changed more in the past uh, fifty years than it has in the previous ten thousand. And uh, they went about in the movie telling the story about how that came to be and what are the subsequent impacts. Uh, in fact, some of the the farmers that were in the movie were. Uh, grew up or were living actually where you and I grew up, uh, Farnhamville, Iowa. I remember in particular, there were a few folks uh, from that area. Uh, so uh, the movie actually struck a, a strong chord with Mickey and I, and it inspired us to become critical thinkers about uh, where our food comes from these days, what's in it, uh, what the subsequent impacts are on our human health and planetary health. And uh, so in 2008, we started a journey that we've been on ever since, uh, researching uh, critical thinking, we'd like to label it every day. And uh, whether we're reading uh, books, journal articles, uh, medical studies, uh, podcasts, you name it, we're studying it constantly. So we continue to learn a heck of a lot. Also in the movie, uh, there was a fellow by the name of Joel Salatin. He has Polyface Farm out in Southern Virginia. So when we saw he was in the movie, we thought, shoot, we're only two hours away. Let's go down and visit Joel. So we did. We went down and visited Joel, got to see his farm, see how he did things. And it uh, gave us an appreciation for perhaps a different approach to raising healthy, nutritious food. So uh, that kind of gave me the idea. Gee, uh, I've got a little bit of Iowa farming in my background. I enjoyed it as a kid. Uh, I didn't frankly think it was possible to have a small farm in today's environment. Uh, you alluded to it when uh, when you opened the show today, that as you and I were growing up by about 1985, it was, it was a lot of momentum underway to buy up the smaller family farms and turn them into multi-thousand acre farms, rip out all the fence lines and uh, start plowing from, uh, you know, horizon to horizon to plant uh, corn and soybeans. And uh, that was my vision of what agriculture was until I got a chance to see and meet Joel and understand that perhaps... Perhaps that's not the right way. Uh, perhaps there is a, a different way or perhaps even better way. So uh, that put my wife and I on that kind of path, thinking about the possibilities when I uh, would retire from the military and had no idea when that would be in 2008. But uh, uh, as we continued on through the years and it became, it felt more and more like the time to do it as we got closer to 2015. But all along the way, we continued our research about uh, about uh, nutrition in particular as it relates to food and then how to farm differently and uh, gave us the inspiration 
uh, initiated by Joel, of course. Uh, we, we followed that inspiration, if you will, and thought, well, gee, maybe we can at least uh, get a small place out in the country. Raise, if nothing else, we'll raise some food for ourselves and eat healthier in the process. And perhaps if we can raise more, we'll sell it to customers and, and uh, see, you know, see where it takes us. So that's, that's kind of got us started down that path. Uh, in the years after, after 2008, uh, we were assigned in locations in Georgia and Florida. So we were within about a three day weekend, uh, easy trip of Tennessee, which, uh, for a variety of reasons, we had kind of, uh, got excited about perhaps, uh, finding a place in Tennessee. So we made a lot of online searches for property and, and, uh, personal searches over three day weekends and actually found the place we live at today in 2013. Uh, the prices were a heck of a lot better back then, so it's kind of nice that we uh, we moved out and made it happen, and and uh, we uh, physically moved here then about two years later in 2015 to get started, and uh, we've been continuing our journey ever since. Okay, so you went, you were still in the Air Force when you started considering having a farm, and you became passionate about passionate about nutrition and uh, the fact that the farming style you knew was not in line with the farming style you thought should be. Um, You recognize the lack of nutrition in our food and you became passionate about, okay, how can we, how can we as a society do this better? Or at least how can we at least feed ourselves better? Right. So you had um, kind of a, a moment. It sounds like when you saw the movie where you realized wait a minute, I can do something different. At one point, did you ever have a point in there, Kevin, where you thought, okay, I, this is something we can do when I retire from the military, but this has nothing to do with the experience I've, I've had in my career and what on earth am I doing buying farmland in Tennessee when this entire time I've been um, working in the military and I've had a military career. Oh, well. Did at any point you think, what am I doing? Or question what other people were going to think about what you're doing? <laughs> well, I didn't worry too much about what other people would think by any means. It is an odd choice, perhaps. I suppose I'm uh, for certain in a minority, or certainly was at the time when I started to think about this. Uh, 15 years later, I'm, I'm finding a lot more folks doing just that, leaving the military and seeking a farm life. Uh, it's, it's been a journey for us, of course, as I've alluded to. And, and uh, by no means will I claim to have all the answers. But for my wife and I, as we've been on this journey, uh, and, I, and I guess we had an inkling of it back in 2008, perhaps, as we lived in urban environments and we lived in big cities, things like, you know, places like Washington, D.C. or Tampa or uh, you name it, uh, around the the country as we moved in our military assignments. And we started to feel like we were in a bit of a rat race. Uh, how do we keep up with the, the Joneses kind of thing to, to sort of simplify that? And, and I don't think it's unusual uh, if folks in today's busy world uh, running off to all the tasks they have and answering every text and email and, and, you know, every time their phone squeaks, I think folks would start to to perhaps wonder if there's a different way of life, a simpler, slower-paced way of life. And uh, and I guess that kind of thought before my wife and I ever really, really, really fixated on thinking that through, uh, that kind of 
get off the treadmill, perhaps, or get out of the hamster wheel kind of living, uh, perhaps spoke to us as well. Uh, we wanted to do something totally different. Uh, I, yeah, I probably thought my military experience, et cetera, or my, my whatever, majored in electrical engineering along the way, got a couple degrees in that. And I guess I, I perhaps thought that that really wouldn't apply or uh, I wouldn't need that in this type of environment. But frankly, it, it, uh, it's, it's the perfect, in many ways, uh, very important to have because it's, it's something that I've been able to, I guess, leverage in some ways. It's worked well for me and Mickey to get the things done we need to get done to design our homemade equipment or whatever it is. It all, uh, your life experience, your academic degrees, whatever, all kind of add up to make you who you are and, and give you the potential to do something, uh, something new. So this has definitely been been new uh, in a lot of ways for us, but uh, but it's been a fantastic experience. Had we not gone down this path, a much more common path for a, a guy like me retiring as an Air Force colonel and leaving the military would probably be to go off and work somewhere in the defense industry and continue uh, my quest to keep up with the Joneses trying to buy someplace somewhere in a near a large city, whether San Antonio, Washington, D.C. or whatever, and continue to sit in traffic every day in a commuting environment and, you know, all that uh, large uh, urban environment stuff that, uh, you know, our, our society has come to consider success, I guess. But uh, the further we've gotten from that, uh, we no longer really consider that much, uh, much in the way of success our personal opinion mm-hmm. there. I, and I, one thing that I love about you, Kevin is, and obviously, I mean, you're my brother. I love a lot of things about you. Well, maybe that's not obvious to everybody, but, um, is that it, it's almost funny to hear you say anything about keeping up with the Joneses. Cause I've never <laughs> considered you a keep up with the Joneses kind of guy. <laughs> Certainly you were in the rat race of, you know, sitting in traffic and all those things. But, um, I mean, right now, I would love for you to share what you drive because I'm all, I'm almost picturing you living in Washington D.C. driving this, sitting in traffic in this. So it's like you were you were keeping up with the Joneses speed wise, but maybe not when it came to anything else in your life. So what what is your what what do you what are you driving now? I can't. Well, let's see. I did buy, I think, two new vehicles in my lifetime. Is it a Jeep? What is I, it? In my lifetime, I think I bought two new vehicles. Uh, Ford Ranger pickup in 1991 and 1994, but since then, yes, I I don't spend much on vehicles. We've got a 2005 <laughs> Chevy Impala and a, uh, a 2006 Ford Escape, and uh, got a 2003 pickup, which is probably the newest pickup I've had in a long time. I used to drive a 82 Bronco and a 94 Bronco for the longest time, and and I guess I. Settled on the fact that as long as it got me from point A to point B, I didn't need to spend a lot of money on it. And that has, has served us pretty well. Broncos, I could not remember Bronco. Okay, yeah. I think that's fabulous because you, I've never considered you the type to really care because you don't, you just want to get from point A to point B. And I think um, in one of my, in a podcast I did a, a couple episodes ago, I was talking about questioning ourselves on why we do things and why you purchase a vehicle mm-hmm. and why you own a vehicle is to get from point A to point B. You don't care about the bells and whistles or um, or if it has a horn, as long as it has tires and it can get you someplace. And um, so I just, 
I just mm-hmm. love that. And especially now, I think that you're living on the farm, right? You just do what you do and you're not trying to keep up with Joneses or Smiths or anybody. You're just trying to keep up with Mickey. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty true with Mickey. And of course myself, I, uh, we, <laughs> Mickey and I, our personalities are such that we are uh, pretty driven folks. So uh, we could probably do a lot less than we do every day. And maybe we should, frankly, but we, we establish things we think need to be done and then we want them done yesterday. And we, uh, push ourselves to uh, to get them done, it seems like, on a regular basis. So, yeah, it's kind of funny when you're, um, when you were talking about, well, and these aren't your words, but just slowing down in general, because I don't see you ever slowing down, but I love that you are still moving quickly, but it's, you're doing something you're actually passionate about, which makes it easy. It's not like you dread waking up in the morning to go, fix a fence or move the chickens because you're so passionate about it is people thinking, Oh, if I could just slow down and thinking what they really needed was to escape to and maybe live on a beach or just do nothing. But doing nothing is never actually fulfilling because we need to, we need to have some sort of a purpose and we need to contribute in some way, and you are absolutely doing that, probably at the same pace you were running the rat race. Um, but it's something that you are thoroughly enjoying, you're passionate about it, and you're you're living into your purpose. Yeah, I think uh, you, you hit that pretty well. We are. Uh, I do feel like I've slowed down a bit. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm no longer 25. I'm a little older now. Uh, just turned 57. So my back hurts a little more than it used to and things like that. So you have to kind of face that, uh, that fact. Uh, we have become pretty passionate about it. I guess you hit that well. Uh, the journey that we have been on, you know, we're shaped by our experience, our research and all that. But uh, over the last 15 years, we have truly come to believe that, uh, well, <laughs> Our uh, our human approach to living on planet Earth is, is doing a lot of damage to planet Earth, uh, frankly, doing a lot of damage to uh, human health, doing a lot of damage to animal health, et cetera. Uh, this probably, when I look back on my life, I remember growing up as the Iowa farm kid, as you already said, but I love to hunt fish. And I was probably a bit of an environmentalist even back then. I appreciated the the trees and the wide open spaces and, and nature in general and would love to be out in it and uh, probably would have disappointed me. Well, I know it did to see uh, a lot of the wilds go away as, as more and more was just plowed up and turned into, you know, into farmland uh, for, agri- for corn and soybeans. Uh, anyway, that kind of thinking probably stuck with me my whole life. So the more I... Start as we began our, our research anew in 2008. A lot of those feelings that I had clear back as a kid uh, came back, if you will. What are what are us humans doing to planet Earth? And uh, you know, sadly today, why can't I eat any of the fish out of the river or the lakes? Uh, because oh, gee, they've either got too much mercury or polyfluoroalkyds in them. So wow, where'd that come from? <laughs> Nature didn't put that out there; we did. So. You know, that's just a small example of what some of the ramifications of our 
ongoing industrial lifestyle and agriculture is a contributor to that as well with too much roundup and atrazine and 2,4-D and you name it, a whole laundry list of things that are damaging the planet. Uh, And then you start to look at, oh, gee, how healthy is the United States population? Oh, it's not. (laughs) 50% of our kids have a chronic disease. Three out of four of our military kids, uh, age kids, couldn't join the military even if they wanted to. So, wow. So if you look at at a start to just look at the bigger picture of how can I serve this nation, I personally felt like I found a pretty good way as an Air Force officer for 26 years. And then when we started to do our research, it became quite apparent that, you know, there's a lot of service needed to this nation if we're going to save ourselves. Uh, Frankly, um, you don't even have to look at global warming. If 50% of our kids have a chronic disease because of what we're doing today to ourselves, we've got a rocky road ahead. So there are some folks who need to figure that out. Mickey and I will not save the world by any means with our 65-acre farm. But as we continue to learn in this journey, uh, you know, I've come to believe there's probably no greater threat to the United States right now than ourselves. I studied a lot of our adversaries in my military career, the name it, the Russians, the Chinese, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, you name it, all folks that we labeled as bad guys. And we spent, oh, geez, billions of dollars every year to try and defend ourselves from them. And now that I have a, a higher level picture at what we're doing to ourselves. <laughs> it's horrifying to me. Uh, we spent uh, more than the price of World War II last year on health care for our citizens. Jeez, uh, if uh, if only our adversaries could come up, have come up with a weapon system that would have done to us what we've done to ourselves, uh, they would have loved such a weapon system, but uh, they didn't even have to buy it. They just uh, get a chance to watch us use it on ourselves. So I, I don't mean to get too too intense in any of this, but if you really start to look into this, uh, it's fairly easy to find some level of yeah, inspiration and to try and uh, help, uh, I guess, if you're looking for a way to serve the people of the United States. Shoot, being a, uh, an organic farmer is certainly not a bad one because you might, might actually make a few kids healthier for a change, which is something we absolutely need to do. Well, and I love that, Kevin, because so when you think about, okay, your day-to-day, you used to, at one point in your career, you worked at the Pentagon. You drove to the Pentagon. You were you know, in an office environment mm-hmm. doing something very different than fixing fences and moving chickens. But when you step back, pick, step back and look at the big picture, yeah. You're just you're simply serving the nation in a different way. And I think so often we get stuck in the details of our lives and we don't think about, you know, if someone's in an accounting career and then they decide, oh, I'm going to do something completely, you know, seemingly completely different, maybe not be in an office every day is going to seem like I mean, the fact that I went into accounting and finance and now I'm doing coaching seems very different. But Truly, what I did throughout my career was coaching and relationship building and all those things. I'm just kind of doing the same thing in a different way. And I think so often people get stuck in the details of, oh, that's completely different. How would I do that? When really it's a matter of considering, okay, what have I been doing and enjoying this whole time throughout my career, throughout my life? And how can I just do the same thing in a different way or on a bigger scale? Or you know, how can I do it in a more fulfilling way? And not that your time in the military wasn't fulfilling, but you're still helping the nation even after retiring from the military, just very differently. Yeah, absolutely. We like to think uh, we're doing that. And uh, 
I think everyone would feel a sense of reward in that. And a whole lot of people do. I'm not trying to say Mickey and I are the only ones at it. There's a whole lot of great people out there trying to do good every day when they get up for their uh, their neighbors, their their family, their uh, their fellow citizens. A whole lot of people doing that. And uh, and yes, I think you're right on the uh, moving from career to career. There, you carry those skills, you know, with you to the next thing. It might be slightly different in the details, but uh, but it could be very similar at the at the higher level, the macro level, if you will. That you're you're either doing service to people, or you're helping others, or or whatever, uh, perhaps with a different title, different duty title, uh, but. Uh, but ultimately, I think there's great reward in that uh, to, tr- to try and do good. And, and, you know, being a fine American citizen, I, I like to think uh, most folks get an opportunity to br- be brought up with that thought process, uh, at least a little bit. What can I do to be just your, your good old American citizen? Uh, do, do good for my, my fellow man and, and make, uh, make this place a little better for everybody. One thing you mentioned, Kevin, was uh, how once you d- decided, okay, we're gonna ha- we're gonna purchase this land in Tennessee. At one point, you realized the number of people who are uh, doing the same thing you you're doing, or maybe not necessarily doing the same thing you're doing, but they have the same thought process that you do about farming, um, eating in a more nutritional, organic way. So tell me about that, how you went from being surrounded by obviously a very different type of person and and military people in an urban environment to moving to Tennessee. Tell me about how that transition went and uh, I guess the impact it's had on you to be surrounded by people who have your style of living. Well, in 2008, by no means did my wife and I have much of an inkling uh, perhaps of of ultimately where we'd end up uh, in terms of mindset. Uh, honestly, the way we see the world today has changed immensely uh, in the last 15 years. Uh, had I been able to see myself in 2008 where I am today, I would have I would have wondered a little bit if I'd uh, gone a little bit crazy perhaps, uh, in, in some of the ways that I see the world. Uh, we, we become big believers in, in, in a, in a quote that, uh, uh, that we ran across here over the past couple of years. And it's by a guy by the name of Edward Deming. He's an American engineer. And he said, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. And, uh, we like that quote. We think about there. I certainly do regularly. Uh, if you know, if you're open and honest with yourself on life's journey, uh, you can let opinions guide you, or you can seek a little deeper to try and find maybe what some would label as truth or or fact. And and it's not easy to do. Uh, it involves actually doing some research because uh, there are all kinds of opinions being thrown out there on how you should live, what you should eat, uh, you name it. Uh, how you should treat your uh, your illness. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things out there that you need to sort through to try and actually find some data, uh, some facts, some truth. And that's the quest my wife and I have been on. So things that I thought were uh, were true back in 2008, I could list you a whole bunch of them that I no longer do. 
uh, I don't believe they're, they're true at all. They're, in fact, what so-called experts that I believed in 2008 were telling me were uh, based on very poor data, if that. Uh, so and I introduce it that way because as we've continued on our 15-year journey, we've the people we run into would pretty much, I think, describe it similar to the way I just did. Uh, all of these different people, call them homesteaders. Uh, that's kind of a movement here in Tennessee now where people are looking themselves in the mirror uh, in the, the hustle and bustle of the urban environment, and they're saying, gee, maybe there's a different way to live. Maybe there's a slower pace. Maybe there's a uh, maybe this, this health or this uh, illness that I have may be caused by uh, things the doctor doesn't even know or understand. So let me start to take it upon myself to research some of this stuff. Uh, and we've met a lot of people here. Oh, a child, you know, I have a child with autism. I have a child who's ill after a vaccine, whatever. People start to take it upon themselves to research and sort out fact from fiction. And, and we're just another uh, person who's uh, another team, a husband and wife team that's done that. So as we have followed what we believe to be a trail of pretty good, solid, factual data by reading hundred, literally hundreds of books, scientific journals, uh, all, you know, talking to actual doctors, people, friends, uh, that network has, has formed. And it's probably, and in, factually it is, it's because all these other people that we now call friends were on a similar journey. They started from different locations. Uh, but it's interesting to me how we all became our own scientists. We all became our own researchers and independently through our own independent research across all these tens or hundreds of people, people have started to figure out things that uh, we thought were true weren't. Uh, you know, eating healthy does not involve uh, no longer eating eggs or uh, butter or raw milk <laughs> as just a, a quick, a quick uh, you know, matter of fact example. Uh, the people who tell you that are have no data uh, at all. They have an opinion. So, when you start down that trail, in fact, Joel Salatin says it this way. Once you uh, start to question where your food comes from, you begin to question everything. Uh, I didn't quite know what he meant when, uh, when I first heard him say that, but it has been so true, so true for my, my wife and I. When you start to investigate where your food comes from and you understand that the entire food industry, uh, the no-fat food industry, the uh, et cetera, is making billions off of poor science and making everyone sick in the process, it makes you start to ask questions about, gee, why do vaccines really work? <laughs> uh, you know, that's an example of a question to look into. I've always been told they do, but where's the data that shows that they do? Oh, <laughs> there's very little data that shows that they do. Uh, so you follow that trail and you just keep peeling it back on what else have I been told by supposed experts that really doesn't have a lot of data to back it up? And, and that is, again, very, very true for all this homestead set of folks we meet. We sit down with them at a, at a dinner somewhere, and they are matter of fact about uh, the way they see the world now, too, has changed immensely once they start to look for data instead of uh, opinion. And uh, did I did I get anywhere to answering your question? Yeah, well, I think we're we don't know what we don't know, and we're 
surrounded generally by people like ourselves, we're led to believe something, whatever that is, about Mm -hmm. what we eat, our lifestyle, whatever, and we just don't even, it's like a, a... a fish recognizing water. They don't even, they don't, they don't know any different. They just know their, well, I don't even know if fish know their existence. Right. um, So if you had not, for whatever reason, seen that movie or had an opportunity to meet Joel or Mm -hmm. uh, developed relationships in Tennessee, the relationships you had were with the individuals you had worked with for years and years. And, you know, everyone from the, mm-hmm. your prior world, do you think you would be where you are today? Nothing against the people from your prior life, but, um, you know, I, it, mm-hmm. it sounds like it was required that you develop a different community or at least an additional community to really get where you are today. Absolutely, Sherry. You you hit it well. We uh, we took a rather unique path, and without having started that path, I don't. We wouldn't be on this path, I don't think, without having got it jump started back in two thousand eight by exactly what happened to us, probably at that time in our life. Uh, you know what's that? How's that old adage go? When when the student is ready, the the teacher will come, or the teacher appears, something to that effect. That has probably proven extremely true for us. Uh, yeah, something you know, like that. So, so had we not been exposed to those, what I consider valuable teaching moments, I mean, all of these are personal decisions. Uh, any other person who started at the same journey in 2008 uh, may not have followed the same trail and may may still think I'm crazy today, and, and that's certainly, certainly valid. Uh, everybody has their right to their perspective and, and their opinion. But we, my wife and I would say, are quite grateful for all we think we've learned. And, and we have a lot of data that led us to where we are. We're, uh, we try to be as open-minded as we can and listening to those who, and learning. We're always learning every day from somebody who's, uh, who's, who's learning and researching as well. So uh, we, always, we always try to caveat everything we say as, hey, don't necessarily believe anything we think. Uh, but please, if you've got a different perspective on it, show us your data, your research, because uh, we're enthusiastic learners, readers, studiers. Uh, if uh, you know, just like I think I would have welcomed in 2008, had uh, had somebody seen a uh, whatever, whatever food documentary, whatever other movie, uh, always willing to hear a different perspective and and uh, learn it and get a chance to see it and be exposed to it. Uh, but what I what I hope I conveyed in the, the other, my earlier part of this was we are where we are today, but as we look around us, we see a whole lot of other people who arrived at a similar destination via their own independent research, their own independent efforts, their own independent journey. So it's very, uh, I guess it's somewhat satisfying is probably the, uh, the wrong word, but it, it's encouraging perhaps that maybe we are not, uh, as crazy as some might think, uh, because there's a whole lot of independent uh, citizen scientists, if you will, who've arrived at the same conclusions we have, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think regardless of each, each person had their own journey that led them to a somewhat similar circumstance to what you're in. Um, and each of them, it 
likely each each person likely had other people who thought they were a little crazy and it took them stepping outside what they knew to start their journey yeah absolutely uh i will not uh, and now you're all supporting one another yeah absolutely and it's exciting too uh when you go to some of these events we uh we went to the second annual Rory Feek Homestead Festival. I'll just use that as an example here uh, in Columbia, Tennessee. Rory started these, yeah, two years ago. I think he had about 3,000 at last year's and about 5,000 at this year. So you get 5,000 people. Uh, they're certainly by no means all identical people. We're all unique people. But when you're there, you feel, get a sense of camaraderie, if you will, among folks who uh, independently, again, arrived uh, on a quest for a different way of life. Uh, they're questioning where their food comes from, if you will. And now they're starting to question everything, as Joel Salatin said. So it gives you a a team that, uh, that we inspire each other, if you will. You're you're among your your clan uh, that, you, that, frankly, you never even knew existed until you got there. And, and once you meet this new set of people called homesteaders or back to the earthers or small farmers or whatever you want to call them. Uh, and I'm not even going to rule out some of the big farmers. We live around some big farmers here and are just regular old country folk like you and I grew up around. Uh, our grandparents, uh, you know, saw the world differently than, than you and I did, Sherry, certainly at the height of our uh, careers, if you will. Uh, they lived a bit slower life. And now we've kind of come full circle, Mickey and I have, to back to a little bit of a slower life out here in the country. And and the fact that I can spend my entire day here working and never have to get on the interstate and sit in traffic, I forget that even exists until I make the occasional trip to Nashville. And then I have to remind myself that, oh, yeah, there's somebody stuck in traffic out here uh, at least two or three or four times a day every day. <laughs> and and I, I am blessed to be able to live where you know, I don't have to do that unless I absolutely intentionally want to, you know, whenever that is. And you can have longer hair and a beard. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Which is still weird for me to see that way. Absolutely. What, Kevin, would you say you love most about what you're doing now? And that can be, uh, you know, from a lifestyle standpoint, it can be around soil consulting, farming, whatever you want it to be. What do you, what do you love most? Well, probably, what do I love most? If I think back to junior high school, I think they gave us some sort of test, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, you'd be very familiar with those in what you do today as far as determining what you should be when you grow up. Uh, it was sort of a, uh, can't remember. But anyway, I scored very high in a couple areas. I was doing things outdoors. Uh, I think it recommended I could be a forestry agent or, or also a scientist, uh, as I remember looking back, because I was a big fan of science and doing science experiments and that sort of thing. And so, frankly, the life I live now, that is perhaps one of the things that I enjoy perhaps the most out of any of this is I get to be a bit of an amateur scientist and engineer here on the farm, uh, whether I'm building some new gadget with the welder uh, or now as I've become a soil consultant, if you will, an amateur soil scientist, uh, I have learned a great deal about soil, but I will never learn at all. And the fact that experts that I've learned from, like Dr. Elaine Ingham, uh, Chris Trump and Korean Natural Farming, there's some, there's some very smart folks in this uh, soil health stuff out there. 
Uh, but they will all tell you that no one knows everything, including themselves. So, uh, so I feel a bit of a pioneer uh, yet in that arena, and and I'm getting a chance to teach others about it now, and hopefully create some new soil scientists that will go out and discover things that no uh, none of us humans yet know. Uh, it's very easy to do. It's basically a new frontier, if you will, be, that uh, that we've ignored along the way simply because it's a world of. At the microscopic level, you can't even see without a microscope. So I'm enjoying that and enjoying the possibilities that it brings. Uh, the more, the more you know, I major in electrical engineering, so I once thought technology would solve all of our human problems. Uh, but over the past 15 years, I think I've come to appreciate that our technology brings perhaps as many or more problems as it solves, ultimately. And truly to live well and long on this planet, uh, we probably need to look at how nature, uh, how God, how Mother Nature designed this planet to operate if we're truly going to uh, live for a long time here on the planet. So I find that kind of exciting and rewarding uh, to be a part of that, being a student of nature, being a student of the soil when you know, when you, you think you learn there's maybe a million species of bacteria and 500,000 species of fungi, and us humans don't know hardly anything about any of them, uh, it's humbling uh, that, uh, you know, we, we've sent a man to the moon. We think we've got all this technology. Well, we can't even explain how a seed works. Uh, we can't even explain, you know, how honeybee, uh, 50,000 honeybees figure out what they're supposed to do every day without uh you know written directions from anybody <laughs> so there's a whole lot of mystery in nature and, and i get excited i guess about living in that and uh trying in my small way to help to help better understand that and then to help my fellow homesteaders uh, we had we've done two two classes so far this year we've got a third one coming up on saturday and that's a pretty pretty rewarding experience when uh, folks come to the class they're excited uh, they don't necessarily know much about the soil or microbiome. They don't know any much about their own personal microbiome, but uh, but we try and at least introduce them to the fact that perhaps they're all interrelated. Uh, perhaps all those microscopic critters that physically live inside and on your human body uh, originate in the soil. So it, it will behoove you perhaps as a, as a future homesteader or farmer to better understand that interrelationship and where they all come from and how you might help those little critters um, help you, help give you healthier livestock, help make your yourself healthier. So, I don't know, long, long answer perhaps to your short question, but that is, uh, I guess the scientist in me is finding the most joy out of, out of that kind of experiment. So I've got, you know, I've got my microscope so I can go down there and look into this world and see that, frankly, beneath my feet is a, is truly a jungle uh, and you can, find parallels between the, the lions taking down a zebra on the Serengeti to, uh, you know, a, a bacteria-feeding nematode wiping out a little microscopic bacteria in your microscope. So it's, uh, it's an interesting world. Well, and what's, so two things about that, Kevin. So one, you are, you started out in the military and helping the nation in that way teaching cadets, teaching throughout your entire military career. Now you're still teaching 
but in a very different way. And it's almost like, um, I mean, you're not teaching cadets anymore, but you're teaching other people who are starting out on their own journey in a very different way. And always with a scientific mindset, because you, you've always loved science. You enjoy looking in microscopes. You enjoy the scientific aspect of it. So there are a lot of ties throughout your career that are that has remained consistent. It's just seemingly different when you look at the details. The other thing I was going to mention was how we often look to other people surrounding us to almost... I don't know, sometimes looking for permission or to think about, okay, well, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Or is it okay if I'm doing this? But if you and I, if I had looked to you to decide what I wanted to do with my life, I would be so terribly unhappy because if I had taken, if I had taken that same test that you took in junior high, it probably would have told me, which I, which I didn't, it probably would have told me to not go to a forest, to stay indoors and do nothing science related. Yeah, we're in the same family. You're my brother. And uh, how different we are and how different our lives. And we just each have very unique uh, passions and interests and, and strengths. And yet we have similar similarities as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. And, and So I, I just think it's important for, for people to realize that, you know, their family is not necessarily the one to look to to say, hey, I guess I should be doing that. Sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, you hit it very well. It has to be a personal journey uh, for certain. Absolutely. No one could have uh, told me this path or predicted it for me. In fact, uh, there were plenty who didn't think it was a good path uh, probably along the way. But uh, it's a path I am quite happy to have been on and uh, we'll continue on it for as long as we have the opportunity, I guess, and we can always decide to change it and go somewhere else. And it's your path and it's the right path for you. Yes, absolutely right. So I have two questions for you. One, what would you tell your younger self knowing what you know now? If you were to, I don't know, talk to your teenage self, what would what would you tell your te- the teenage version of Kevin? Well, that's a pretty tough one because uh, I don't know at a teenage level you'll actually even absorb it, uh, the, the intent behind it. Uh, I... One thing that I think has served us pretty well over the past 15 years now, maybe earlier, was critical thinking. I might have tried to uh, inspire my younger self to become more of a critical thinker. I remember actually having that in some classes, maybe even college classes, where we talked a little bit about critical thinking, and it didn't really soak into me, I guess, what was meant by that. When you read a book, who's the author? Who are they funded by? What's their inspiration? Why did they reach the conclusions they did? When you when you try and research some things along the way, I think it's important to be a critical thinker and in, in, uh, in, uh, ultimately look for, again, data versus opinion. And uh, I would try to have told myself that perhaps. And then maybe simply because I had ideas of what I wanted to do probably by the sixth grade. So assuming I'm talking to myself in the seventh grade, I would make it real simple and just say, Hey, what you're, you're thinking about will work well for you. So uh, carry on, do your best and uh, it'll, it'll all fantastic. work out well. That might've been the simplest way to do it. And it's so funny how now I can't imagine you doing anything else other than living in t- Tennessee and, <laughs> and soil consulting and having a farm. <laughs> 
Okay, my last question for you, uh-huh. Kevin, is where can people find you? Well, we have a small farm called Liberty Trace Farm. It's uh, in Hampshire, Tennessee. We have a website, Liberty, the word Liberty, Trace, T-R-A-C-E, uh, farm.com. And uh, that's where we're at, right here in small town, Hampshire, Tennessee. It's about an hour southwest of Nashville. And I love that Mickey does really well. I know it's Mickey who does uh, post all the pictures of your cows and your cute little chicken coop and all the things. So, yeah, I would highly suggest people go to your Instagram as well. And maybe you have you have pictures on your site too, right? Just maybe not quite as many cute ones. That's true, Sherry. I always forget about Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, we have those those pages too. Uh, yeah, the website uh, does have a few. We keep that fairly static, just as kind of a big overview, and then uh, try to sort of keep up with Instagram and Facebook. And Mickey's been updating that a little bit, just about our classes, our soil classes, etc. Thank you so much for being here today, Kevin. This was so fun to have a discussion about you know, your journey and, and, uh, just on a different level than we normally have. And I so appreciate it and just love the journey you've been on and love the fact that it's so different from mine. And that's, that's okay. Yes, it certainly is, Sherry. I'm thrilled to have uh, had a chance to be here with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me on and, uh, great talking to you today. And thank, thank the chickens too for being in the background. I appreciated that as well. (laughs) Sure will. Thanks so much for listening to the Dash Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, tell your friends, and leave us a review. Follow me on my social media platforms highlighted in the show notes and get in touch with me at thedashmindset.com. Share the topics you'd like me to explore in future episodes. Thanks again for listening to the Dash Mindset Podcast. We'll see you next time. Design and differentiate your Dash, your way, and make today amazing.